Hey, this is Nikki McCrary, lead pastor at Eastern Heights Baptist Church in Statesboro, Georgia, where we exist to be a life-changing church. So as you listen, I pray that you will be encouraged in your walk with Christ and that your life will be forever changed as you grow in your relationship with Him. Amen. Thank you, praise team, for preparing our hearts to worship. I don't know about you, but I sure enjoyed that, preparing my heart for worship. Thank you for sharing. And uh, welcome to everyone here this morning, especially those that are uh, present in person. We are so glad that you are here with us, and we hope that you are blessed by being in God's house today. Thank you for those joining online as well as listening by podcast. I want to remind you, if you are new and have been coming for a while and you're thinking about church membership, we do have our new members class next Sunday at 5 o'clock. We'll only keep you for about an hour, and we have child care available if you need it up through the fifth grade. And so we already have several registered, and so I look forward to having some more that will join us next Sunday at 5 o'clock. Next Sunday, we also begin a brand new series, okay? It's called The Fact Is. And we're going to be looking at what God's Word says about some things in our lives that we have to deal with, but yet we really don't like it, okay? Because, I mean, isn't that what life is about, is dealing with the stuff you don't like and doing it well? We're going to see what God says about it like that. And I, I, I'm not going to tell you all of them. It's like six or seven right now. God might give me six or seven more. I don't know, but we'll see. But the first one is, I can tell you this, and the title of it is Life is hard. The fact is, life is hard. Now, what does God say about that? Okay, we're going to be looking at that. Well, September the 18th of 2022 was a very special Sunday. You know why? It was the Sunday we began a series called Unstoppable. That's right, 30 weeks ago, September the 18th. And we've been on this journey through Acts, and we've been watching how that God has taken a group of new Christians, and he has been doing this global movement that has become known as what we know to be Christianity today. And it is still going on today because it is truly unstoppable. Now, they encountered a lot of obstacles along the way, but the thing is, every obstacle they faced, God gave them what they needed to overcome that obstacle. So I pray that what we've learned over these last 29 weeks to overcome whatever it is, right? And so we've called action. We've been watching this missionary named Paul, right, who used to kill Christians, who is now crucified. And then he rose from the dead, according to Paul, to save all of mankind from their sins. And Paul is saying he is the Messiah. You think the Messiah is still to come and that this good guy named Jesus died on the cross. But I'm telling you, you're missing it. This is the Messiah. He is already Come And so Paul is taking this good news, this message, not only to the Jews that were there, not only to just that group of people, but he was taking the message to non-Jews, this group of people called the Gentiles. And so this story of the resurrected Jesus that we've learned about in the book of Acts, what we've learned is it, it is a message of good news for everyone and for anyone who will believe. Now that's important. Because there are some theologies out there that will tell you that God is only about saving some people. But the message is clear in Acts that God's message of salvation is for anyone and everyone regardless of who you might think it ought to be for and who it shouldn't be. It's for anyone and everyone who will believe. And so Paul's been on this journey where God said, I'm going to use you to spread this good news. Now the journey's going to be wild and crazy. I mean, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. You're going to get in so much trouble, you're going to wish you hadn't started on this journey. But you're going to get put in jail. You're going to get flogged. 
you're going to have riots start up. People try to kill you. I mean, you're not going to be the most popular guy around. You're going to go through shipwrecks. You're going to even get bit by a snake. And if all of that doesn't kill you, they're going to try to stone you, Paul. You still in? And so, yes, Paul stays in there through all of this. And we come to this final chapter, and we finally get to what we've been waiting to hear for weeks and weeks now in six little words in verse 14 where it says... And so we came to Rome. Those six little words, so we came to Rome. I mean, it didn't go the way Paul meant for it to. He didn't go the quickest way. He didn't get there the safest way, right? But you know what happened? Despite everything that took place, God did what God said he would do. And he made happen what he said would make happen, and that is Paul would go to Rome. So here's the first thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes, and I hope you are taking notes today, and that is this. God is always faithful in the what, even if sometimes he's fluid in the how. You need to get that. Now, CJ mentioned God box and how small it was in his mind. I'm telling you, man, when I was in seminary, I had God so wrapped up in this pretty little box and had this pretty little bow on it. I mean, I had God all figured out. I was in seminary, you know? And I tell you, the older I've gotten, the bigger my God box has gotten because you know what? He just doesn't fit into everything that I thought he might fit into. And God just hasn't always acted the way I thought he always ought to act or how I thought he could act. You know what I'm saying? My God box has gotten a lot bigger, and I've, what I have found, though, is this statement to be true. God is always faithful in the what, even if sometimes he's fluid in the how. And so if you're going through something right now that you don't want to be going through, you don't want to go through it, you didn't expect to go through it, you didn't ask for it, you didn't plan on it, well, you need to go back to last week's message because we covered all of that. We don't have time to do it again today, but go back and watch last week's message. It will encourage you. It will help you because that's what's happening right now. Paul arrives in Rome, right? Despite everything, he has this group of people that come to meet him that's going to do something very special and very needed. Look at it, verse 15. The brothers and sisters in Rome had heard we were coming and they came to meet us at the forum on the Appian Way. Others joined us at the three taverns. When Paul saw them, he was encouraged and thanked God. After all he's been through, imagine, he was encouraged and he thanked God. So not only do we see that, but we see here in Scripture, it's right here, that not only did the first Christians meet in homes, but they met at a bar and a grill called the three taverns. Amen? Now, I'm just kidding. You'll have to go home and explain that to your younger children. But it was actually a city called the Three Taverns. But the Christians in that area, they'd heard he's coming. They, and he finally rises around. And they had come from, and that's why they tell us these names, they come from 40 miles. Now, that, that'll put us almost in Poodle, right? But for walking back in that day, that was a 12, 13-hour walk, right? It was not an easy one. But they had come from far to welcome Paul and to greet him and to encourage him. And that's exactly the first thing that we learn about the unstoppable kingdom is that God encourages us through other people. God encourages us through others. Now, he can discourage us too, but that's not his plan. His plan is to encourage us through others. So after all this long journey and all the things that Paul had been through, the threats against his life, being in jail for years, and all the political red tape, 
He is reminded by being with these people that it's not about a thing, it's not about a place, it's about people. Because they all show up and they encourage him and he thanked God because of it. It was an affirmation of all of Paul's hard work and his dedication for these people to travel for hours and to show up. And it was an encouragement to Paul that, hey, you're not through being my witness. You're not through with the unstoppable message in the unstoppable kingdom of God. So hang in there, Paul. We want to encourage you. There's still some stuff yet to come. And Paul would later write about how encouragement took a big place in his heart and his life. In 1 Corinthians 16, 13, he says, hey, the rest of you that are out there that are still doing it, that are still fighting the fight and coming up on all the shipwrecks and all the crazy stuff in your life, he says, be on guard. Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And we have to stand firm because we don't have to stand alone. Right? Church and to a youth group where I was the only student in the youth group that went to my person from my school that was in my youth group. So you know what I thought year, and I believe that youth camp and these weeks of time that kids spend with God for always get to these times. They're life changing. But I came back from that camp my junior year of high school and God had convicted me to start a Christian Bible club in our school because we didn't have one. And we had the right and the privilege by law to have one as a student. The teachers couldn't do it, but the students could. So God said, guess what? I want you to do it. And pointed to me. I said, do what? Said, you do it. I said, well, I'm the only one here. That's fine, you do it. So I did. With God's help, we started a Christian Bible club. You know, the first week, we had over 100 students show up. Yeah. You see, God was trying to tell me, you thought you were in this all alone all this time, but all this time, I have sent you others to help you. You need to look for them. You need to seek them out. They are there. You're not alone in this. And that senior year, we did some great things on that campus for God. And so Paul understood that we never have to stand alone. God always sends people to encourage us. And so Paul was able to stand firm and go through everything that he went through because he didn't have to do it alone. God had sent many people to stand along his side. There was no doubt that Paul was built up by some of these people during these times of discouragement, right? You know there had to be times when all this was going on that he had doubts and he had this discouragement. You ever been there as a Christian where you were fighting the fight but you were discouraged and you had some doubts? Surely Paul was there, but God had sent people to encourage him. Remember, he, he was on his first missionary journey. He was just first getting started with all this. So guess what? He was the guy that had been killing Christians, and now he's witnessing for Jesus? Well, the Christians were kind of skeptical about that. They're going, I'm not sure if he's a true convert or not. He might just be doing this to infiltrate our group so that he can tear it down more. So they were pretty skeptical. That first journey was a pretty tough And They say the first was always the hardest, right? And so it was pretty tough. But what did God do on that first journey? He sent him who? Barnabas. Who is Barnabas? The great encourager, right? On the second part of his journey, he, he's in Corinth. He has no resources. He, there, there's no way he can make a living and keep this thing going. He's going to have to keep moving. 
What does God do? He sends Priscilla and Aquila, who work in the same trade, making tents. As Paul does, he gets a job making tents. He's able to make a living, and he's able to stay there for a time and to spread the good news. Why? Because God had sent some people to encourage him and help him. They actually became part of his ministry. And then when the things got really, really bad in Philippi, when the crowds turned against him and the mobs rioted and they tried to kill Paul and they flogged him within an inch of his life and they put him in stocks down in some dark prison hole down in the bottom of the jail cell down there. And guess what happened in the darkness of night? Singing broke out to God, singing praise to God, brother. But it wasn't just Paul's voice. Another voice chimed in doing a little harmony there and it was Silas that had been putting stocks beside of him because God had sent somebody to encourage him through those difficult times. And so it was right here for Paul that he arrives on this journey to Rome and people were there to welcome and encourage him and to keep him focused and stay encouraged about doing what God had called him to do there and just what was his purpose in Rome. I mean, he gets there. He's going to have to stand trial just like now. It takes a while to get to all that. He doesn't know how long he's got before he stands trial. He's still a prisoner. He's in chains. How's he going to witness through all of this? Well, let's look at it. Verse 16. When we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging, though he was guarded by a soldier. Three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. Seen that before, right? And here's the last time we hear the story. He said to them, brothers, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Roman government, even though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors. The Romans tried me and wanted to release me because they found no cause for the death sentence. But when the Jewish leaders protested the decision, I felt it necessary to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no desire to press charges against my own people. I asked you to come here today so we could get acquainted and so I could explain to you that I am bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. You say, you're still looking for him. You think you know that dead Jesus is dead. And though he claimed to be the Messiah, they killed him. But I'm telling you, he is the Messiah. He's already come and he is alive. And they replied, we have had no letters from Judea or reports against you from anyone who has come here. But we want to hear what you believe for the only thing we know about this movement, this Jesus thing that you're telling us about, that it has been denounced everywhere. Nobody's buying it. So a time was set, and on that day, a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures. Using the law of Moses and the book of the prophets, their own writings, he spoke to them from morning until evening. You see God's favor in Paul's life here? Instead of being in the bottom of the jail cell in a barracks somewhere, some dirty dungeon kind of thing, he's... Got his own private lodging. He's in a house. Instead of two soldiers, he has one soldier. And so Paul takes off doing what Paul has always done. He goes to the Jews first. He's going to go to the Gentiles next. And he's going to preach the same message he's been preaching the whole time because he knows the message has not changed. And guess what, folks? The un 
unstoppable kingdom of God has not changed its message today. It's still about Jesus. Now, some of you will remember the mission in it. That's, that's one positive thing, right? All right, he's good. So Denzel Washington, he's a head for this. He walks by the defensive coaches, and he's got this little bitty, flimsy-looking coach. And Denzel turns to him and says, Well, I run six plays. They're kind of like Novocaine. You just give them a little time. It'll work. It'll work. And see, God's playbook, it does not change. Folks, it hasn't changed then. It's still about Jesus today. So God did not bring Paul to Rome to change up the game plan. The mission had not changed. Now, the place had changed. The circumstances had changed, right? But the mission has not changed. And that brings us to the second thing that we see about God's unstoppable kingdom. And that is that God enables us to witness for then it was Paul that he enabled through all of these things, right? Today, it is you and it's me that he enables to witness. Because see, this was never about Paul's message. This was about God's message through Paul. Just like today, it's not about our message that we've got to tell the world. It's about God's message through us to the world. It's God's work that enables us to witness. Not a class, not a seminar, not whatever. It is God's work that enables you to witness when he gives you the opportunity to witness. So I want to make sure you understand something here today, okay? Paul only did what basically Paul could do. There were so many circumstances that were out of his control, right? He couldn't control... Uh, all these things that had come his way. He just had to persevere through them. He couldn't control the fact that he was still a prisoner. All he could do as a prisoner was to make an invitation for the Jewish leaders to come to his house because he's under house arrest. He didn't know if they'd come or not. He couldn't control that. He couldn't control if they would think that he was still some crazy nut that, you know, had converted to Christianity and had some crazy message. He, he didn't know if they would think he was a troublemaker, a Gentile sympathizer, and all this. They, he couldn't control any of that. That was totally out of his control. But you know what? God could control it. And that's exactly what God did. God lines it up. So that now he's got this platform once again to tell his message to, again, a very large group of very influential Jewish leaders in Rome. And so the Jewish leaders, they said, we won't hear about this. So they didn't come back with just a few. They came back with a whole house full. I mean, they packed the house out. And so Paul begins to tell them the reason that he's in chains is because of his belief in a resurrected Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now imagine, as a Jewish leader, you're still looking for the Messiah. Jesus claimed he was it, but apparently that was not true because they killed him. We saw him die. We saw him buried. But they had not seen the resurrected Jesus like Paul had, right? And so on top of all of this, they're going, you know what? We, we don't know why you're here, Paul. I mean, you're in chains, you're a prisoner. And we don't know why because... We haven't heard one single bad thing about you. What, what are you talking about? Why, what's so bad about you? You don't look that bad. You know, you're, you're there handcuffed. Who are you anyway? And what did you do to put yourself in this situation? And so it just hit me a little weird. You know, I am when I'm reading through stuff like this. It just hit me weird that these Christians, who are this little group of nobodies, they know that he's coming. They've gotten word that he's coming, and they come from 40 miles, walk 12, 13 hours to greet him, 
But here the Jewish leaders are who've got connections all over Jerusalem and should know that he's coming. They should know he's caused riots. They should know that he's caused trouble everywhere he's been. He's been nothing but a pot stirrer. Everything that he's done and everywhere he's talked to, you know, he's been trouble. They should have known this from the city that hated him most and wanted to kill him. They should have known and gotten word that he was coming, but they hadn't heard anything, much less anything bad. Think about it. It made me think. It had to be only by God's grace that Paul was there in chains, but they hadn't heard anything bad about him, so he could be in a house, just under house arrest, so that they could come and hear this gospel message one more time. So I'll be honest, when it comes to sharing my faith, sometimes I wonder, you know, if, if I'm going to do it justice. So Satan tries to trip me up here, and he wants me to focus on what I can do. You know, are you sure you can pull this off? Because you know who you're talking to, right? Or you know who you're going to be talking to. You don't want to mess it up. And maybe you're that way. Maybe you feel like, you know, I, I should be saying something about my belief, my Christianity, but, you know, it's probably against policy here where I work and where I teach or whatever. And I probably shouldn't say anything because, you know, it's just going to make the conversation really, really awkward if I do. And I don't want you, you're thinking, I don't want to be that person you know, the one that every time they walk into the room, they're going, oh boy, here they come. They're going to bring up God and the church. Well, just imagine every new group that you walk into, you introduce yourself as a pastor. How's that go over? Right? That's me all the time. That's the way it is. And so the devil tries to trip me up and he tries to get us to focus on ourselves. But here, here's the thing that's been encouraging me through this series is that time after time after time, we see God's work through Paul. And so it reminded me that time after time that we can see God's work through us when we step out and we have the faith that it is God that is working in us. It's not us. It's not about us. It's not our message. It is God's message. He's the one who makes it happen. He's the one that tears down every single obstacle that might come in the way. And by the way, this happens by God, with God, for God, so that guess what? You and I don't get any of the credit, but that God gets the credit. And that's why it goes through us and not because of us. You're like, okay, go good. And so if you're in that situation and it's a little awkward and they don't agree with me as you witness and you find yourself in these situations, because let's see what we find Paul doing. He did by the things he said, but others did not believe. And after they had argued back and forth among themselves, and that might happen sometimes, there might an argument break out about Jesus. They left with this final word from Paul. <laughs> This is the last thing Paul says. You know it's going to be good, don't you? The Holy Spirit was right when he said to your ancestors through Isaiah the prophet, go and say to this people, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. And they didn't. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. And they didn't. For the hearts of these people are hardened. And they were. And their eyes cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their ears cannot, eyes cannot see, their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand. And they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. 
And they didn't. So I want you to know that this salvation from God has also been, get this, offered to the Gentiles, and they will accept it. Do you get what just happened? He used their own scriptures to say to them, hey, you are spiritually deaf and you are spiritually blind and you've missed it. You've missed the Messiah. He's already been here. You missed it. And those of you who aren't convinced and you don't want to believe and place your faith in Jesus, you have missed it. And then he goes that step worse and he says the G word. And I'm not talking about God. He says Gentile, right? And if there's one thing we've learned that the fins the Jews, he's talking about the Gentiles. So he says to these Jewish leaders, hey, you've missed out on what God wants. And this people group that you think God hates and is against, guess what? They're going to be the very ones that get it. It's like pop, 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 pop. Just slapping them around spiritually, you know? I'm thinking, Paul, why are you saying this? Dude, do you not remember what landed you here to start with? You're still in chains saying the same thing. I guess he thought, well, it can't get any worse. I've already been bit by a snake. It get worse than that. But see, Paul's not scared. He's not scared. So that brings us to our final thing. Is Not only does God enable us to witness, but he empowers us for the mission that he's called us to. And that's why Paul's not afraid. After everything he's gone through, he, he recognizes, you know what, I'm not going to back off. I'm not going to back down. Even if it's offensive, even if it's volatile, and some people don't like what I'm going to say, he's still willing to faithfully preach boldly to these Jewish leaders. Why? It's in hope that one or two or maybe some of them will be persuaded to believe. And that's what God has called us to do, folks. God has called us not to be a Billy Graham per se. He's called us just to be yourself. And to wherever God puts you and plants you, to bear witness to the risen Lord that we just celebrated on Easter, right? to tell your story that has been life-changing for you and just be faithful to do that and let God use it. Because it has always been the story of Jesus. It's not about you. And so you tell your story. Why? In hope that some will respond and believe you. Not everybody some. There's a story that went viral online several years ago about a Belgian soldier in World War I who has some coins in his breast pocket. Some of you might remember this story. As he was hiding from the German soldiers and he was covertly trying to move away from them, the coins in his breast pocket that he had jingled and it gave away his position. And the German soldiers heard it and they stood up and saw him and they shot him. And I want you to see why this story went viral. If you would put that picture of those coins up there. You see, these six coins that were in his breast pocket saved this soldier's life. The very coins that gave him away ended up saving his life. The very thing that put him in danger is what saved him. 
You get where I'm going with this? The very thing that got Paul in trouble was going to be the very thing that got him through it. He knows that talking about Jesus has got him in a lot of trouble, but he also has faith in God that God's going to get him out of the trouble. And he's believed that all along. This announcement of the good news to the world that he's been assigned to take, the world hadn't responded too positively to it. He's been through a lot of tough stuff because of that message, right? But he says, you know what? I'm still going to trust the God who's brought me here is going to get me through here. And so that's where we are today. Hey, the Christian message is not warmly accepted by overall society, right? And it's getting more and more difficult. And so we're challenged even more these days to take that message of the saving grace of Jesus out there to the world regardless of how they receive it. It is our priority to give it and let God use it in hope that some will believe. Because you know what? There's a hope that will not be stopped, and it's called the resurrected Jesus. So Paul is it bold, very bold in what he shares, and that boldness doesn't just stop there. Here's how the story ends in verse uh, 30. For the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense. He welcomed all who visited him, boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord. The axe is finished. It's wrapped up. And I wouldn't blame you if you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. What? But, but the consensus is that Paul was indeed martyred, the writer of the gospel here to end it in a, the, a different way than what he did. Because, he, you know, the story's never been about Paul. Book of Acts is not a biography about Paul. It's the story of the witness and the work of the unstoppable church and an unstoppable God who works his mission in the world through people like you and I. And people like Paul. Paul was a man. We're men, we're women, we're teenagers, we're children. We're humans that God can still use today. So here's the conclusion to Unstoppable. If you're taking notes, write this down. Nothing can stop what God sets in motion. I believe that. Nothing can stop what God sets in motion, whether God set it in motion in the world, whether God set it in motion in the church, whether God set it in motion in your personal heart and life. If God put it there, nothing can stop it. We hope you were encouraged by this message today. If you would like more details on our church, please visit us at ehbcstatesboro.org.